to diving into God's Word. Is anybody ready to dive into God's Word this morning? I'm looking forward to preaching this morning. And you can go ahead and find a seat today. And if you have a Bible, we're going to be in John chapter number one today. John chapter number one. And we're going to start reading here in just a second in verse number one. Today, I want to speak to this subject, into the night, into the night. And we're going to begin talking about uh, really the incarnation and the reason why Jesus came. And I'm looking forward to uh, speaking on this. And next week for our Christmas experience, Wake Up the Wonder. And we'll be talking about the wonder of Christmas. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a Bible in the seat back in front of you. And uh, you can follow along there. Most of the verses will be on the screen as well. But John chapter 1 is where we're going to be today. And we'll start reading in verse number 1. The Bible says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we'll get some house lights up here in just a moment so you can see. Verse number two, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light. Everybody say the light. The light of men. Speaking of light, there we go. Verse number five. And the light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Let's skip down to verse number 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's have a word of prayer together and we'll jump into this text today. Father, thank you so much for this day that you've given us. God, thank you for this opportunity that we can lift high your name, that we can worship you. God, we declare today, great are you, Lord. Lord, we recognize your power, your sovereignty, your goodness and grace in our lives, and we thank you and praise you for it. God, thank you for uh, the heart to give today, the heart for our children in our children's ministry. And Lord, I pray that as we look to this text today, that we would be reminded of your goodness and your power, that we would recognize what your birth means and the, significant of this, the significance of this season. And we love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said today... Growing up, I grew up in a pastor's home, which meant that I was always at the church. No matter what we were doing, no matter what was taking place at the church, anytime the doors were open, we were there. And I remember growing up in elementary that there was only one quick route to get from one side of the campus to the other side of the campus, and that was to go through the auditorium, the main auditorium. It was a rather large room, and the only problem was I didn't know how to turn the lights on. And so I would have to kind of open the door, have a little bit of light come in and kind of try to survey the landscape of the auditorium to make sure I wasn't going to trip over anything, and I'd have to walk through that dark auditorium. This was long before the days of cell phones when we had just a flashlight on our being anytime we wanted, and so I'd have to kind of uh, uh, scooch along the wall. What I did was I just kind of put my hands on the wall of the auditorium and kind of just slowly kind of shuffle all the way across and just kind of make sure I'm feeling my way, and uh, every once in a while, somebody would open the door from the other side and let some light in and they would kind of catch me like this and then I would be like, oh, play it cool, you know, no problem, how's it going? And I'd walk to the other side, but it was hard 
to navigate that room completely in the dark. I was reading this week about a town in Alaska, actually several different towns, but one town in Alaska, Barrow, Alaska, that experiences something that's called polar light. How many of you have ever heard of polar light before? In these towns in Alaska, because of the tilt of the Earth's axis, uh, they will experience no sunlight for two months out of the year. And so for two months out of the year, absolute darkness. How many of you would say, I'd probably struggle with absolute darkness for two months? And the reality is for all of us this morning is that as followers of Jesus, often as we are traversing through life, it feels as though we are traveling through darkness. It feels as though we are navigating the dark. You know, often in scripture, uh, uh, darkness is equated with sin or wickedness. And we see this darkness all around us. Uh, John the Apostle, who wrote the gospel that we're studying today, uh, he said this in 1 John 5, verse number 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light. Aren't you thankful for that today? That, That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanseth us from all sin. And so as followers of Jesus, we are not to have fellowship with darkness, but we are called to walk in the light of his glory. Jesus put it this way in John 11 verse number nine, Jesus answered, He was speaking to his disciples in the context of John 11 is that the disciples were worried about traveling to Jerusalem. They thought that their lives would be in danger if they traveled to Jerusalem. And so they were telling Jesus, we shouldn't go. Now is not the right time. And Jesus said, are there not 12 hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there is no light in him. And what Jesus was saying, as long as you are with me, good news, because I am the light of the world. And when you are walking with me, I will illuminate the path. I will uh, make light in the darkness. And so today, as followers of Jesus, we don't have to sit back and worry about all of the darkness that is around us because we can walk with the light of the world. And what that means today is that as followers of Jesus, we don't have to avoid the night, but actually we are called, instructed, and commissioned to invade the night with the light of the gospel. The Bible says that you, ye, are the light of the world, and a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. This is the message of Christmas, that we would recognize that there is hope for the hurting, that there is purpose in our pain, that there is light in the darkness, because Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and he came to invade the night and to provide light for all those who are lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. This is why he came. This is why Jesus came down to earth. Now, we're going to look to John's gospel today. And I love the author of John's gospel, John. And John had a nickname for himself, something that he referred to himself as often. The one whom Jesus loved. (laughs) This is how he referred to himself. He could have just said John, but he said Peter, James, and the one whom Jesus loved. He he wanted to make sure everybody knew, you know, uh, who Jesus really loved. By the way, aren't you thankful that Jesus loves you? And we can say that about our our lives as well. Uh, But John, he was the king of the humble brag. If you remember the story of the resurrection, Peter and John were running to the empty tomb to see. And uh, John, who was writing the Gospel of John, he wanted to make sure everyone knew the order in which they arrived. And uh, it says this in... Uh, John chapter 20, verse number four. So they ran both together, Peter and John, 
And the other disciple, that was John, the one whom Jesus loved, did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. And so John says, I know maybe it doesn't really matter, but I want to keep a detailed, accurate record of this gospel. And so I just want everybody to know I beat Peter. I can run faster than Peter. And so uh, this is John that uh, wrote this gospel. Now, John wrote with a very clear purpose. In fact, many times when someone becomes a new believer and they just accept Christ, uh, we often point them to read the gospel of John because John had a very clear purpose in writing this gospel. And he gives us his mission statement, his purpose statement. In John chapter 20, verse number 31, he says, but these are written. This is why I wrote this gospel. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. John says, I want you to know today that Jesus is more than just a good teacher. He's more than just a good prophet. He's more than an enlightened figure. He's more than just a historical figure that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. And that is why I'm detailing this account, this eyewitness account. Uh, John was explaining and declaring who Jesus is. You know, if you were to go to Europe today, and go into an old church with stained glass windows, uh, you might see uh, a picture on the stained glass windows of an eagle, and it would say St. John uh, underneath. And this is called the Eagle of John, which I find interesting. And for many reasons, one of which is from what I've read, and if what I've read is true, an eagle is one of the only birds that can fly directly towards the sun. And I love that John is writing this gospel and he is taking us directly to the Son of God and telling us who Jesus is, that Jesus is God. This is his mission. This is his purpose. By the way, what you do with Jesus is the most important thing in your life. How you answer the question, who is Jesus, defines and changes everything in your life. And so here John is declaring, here is Jesus. This is who he is. And today as we look to this text, we're going to see how John begins with uh, the incarnation, the birth of Christ, and declaring and showing that he is the light of the world. And so what I want to do today is I want to give us three components to this text that I believe that we should consider today. Uh, number one, I want us to consider our creator. Consider our creator. You know, Solomon, in all of his wisdom, he says, he says to consider uh, your creator, consider thy creator in the days of thy youth. In other words, while you're still young, while you still can, while, while there's still time to consider your creator. If we were to go out today in our streets in Rancho Cucamonga or Fontana or Upland, if we were to go out into the streets and ask 100 different people who Jesus is or who God is, we might get 100 different answers and 100 different opinions about who God is. Time Magazine famously has put Jesus on the cover many different times. In one particular occasion, Time Magazine put on the cover Jesus with the question, who was Jesus? The article went on to ask many questions. How is Jesus to be understood? Did he stride out of the wilderness 2,000 years ago to preach a gentle message of peace and brotherhood? Or did he perhaps advocate some sort of revolution? When did he realize his mission would end with death upon a cross? Did he view himself as the promised Messiah? Did he understand himself to be both God and man? How many of you would say, these are good questions? These are great questions that the Bible speaks directly to, uh, that the gospel gives us the answers to, uh, knowing who Jesus Christ is because he declared and claimed to be God. And so the Bible tells us the answers to uh, these questions. And John is going to begin this gospel uh, by giving us a theological description of who Jesus is. And uh, we're going to have to dig a little bit deeper this morning. Would that be okay if we dig a little bit deeper into the text today? And so bear with me. But notice what it says starting in verse number one. This is an introduction 
to who Jesus is, our creator. Verse 1. In the beginning was the word. The Greek word for word is logos. Uh, this is a name that John often referred to, speaking of Jesus. Uh, in the beginning was the word, logos. Revelation chapter 19, verse 13, it says this, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the word of God. Jesus is the word. And, and so uh, even further examination, we see in verse number 14, it says this, and the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, that God became man, and he dwelt among us. And so John's making it emphatically clear. Who is the word? The word is Jesus. The word is, is Jesus Christ, God who became man, who dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. We could see his person, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In the beginning was the word. Now, why did John not just come out right out and say that? Uh, why did John didn't, why didn't he just say in the beginning was Jesus? Why did he say in the beginning was the word? Well, John was a brilliant communicator. And we have to remember that he was writing to an original audience uh, that was both Greek and Jew. And John is conveying a powerful truth to the Greeks and to the Jews. The Greeks were very interested in logos. They were very interested in, in the word. Because the word logos means your mental faculty, your thinking, your, your, your reasoning. The Greeks were, in fact, it's where we get our English word logic. Uh, the Greeks were very interested in logic. They were very interested in reasoning. What's the reason of life? What's the purpose of life? They were very interested in philosophy. They were very interested in the logos. And the Jews also were very interested in logos. They were also very interested in the word because in the Old Testament, they heard time and time again, thus saith the Lord, the word of the Lord came unto them saying, the word of the Lord. And so they were also very interested in the word. In fact, Hebrews says this in Hebrews 1, in verse number 1, God who at sundry times or different times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. And so his son is speaking. Why? Because Jesus is the word. Are you tracking with me this morning? He is the word. And so John is using this word logos to convey a powerful truth. In the beginning was the word. Now he says, in the beginning. Now this is the very beginning. Uh, Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God created. But chronologically, John 1.1 comes even before Genesis 1.1 because Jesus has always been. He is eternally existent. This is the beginning of beginnings that never began. Can you wrap your head around that? And so what John is saying is that Jesus has always been. He is the Alpha and he is the Omega. In the beginning was the Word. He is the uncaused cause. You know, when you look out at creation today, uh, everything has a cause. We can look out and we can observe a tree, and we don't just say, wow, that tree just kind of magically poofed into existence. There it is. We know that that tree had a cause. It was a seed. We know that that seed didn't just magically poof into existence. That seed had a cause. Why? Everything has a cause, but Jesus Christ is the uncaused cause, that he is the eternal God, and that we can look and observe creation and see his eternal power. Now, this is good news to anyone that finds themselves in a difficult season. This is good news for anyone that says, you know, Christmas is actually not that joyous for me. 
because it brings up a lot of painful memories from my past. Uh, Christmas is not a great season for me. And, and, you know, this season that I'm in, I've been struggling. And I don't like this time period uh, that I'm in. And I have good news because our God stands outside of time. He transcends time. And we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the eternal God. In the beginning was the word. Everybody tracking so far? In the beginning was the word. Who is the word? Jesus. In the beginning was the word. And then notice how the verse goes on in verse number one. And the word was with God. Now the Greek phrase there is proskontheon. It means to have face-to-face fellowship. And so in the beginning was the word. He had face-to-face fellowship with God. But then verse number one concludes with a very emphatic point. And the word was God. So he's making it emphatically clear that Jesus is, again, more than a good teacher, more than a good prophet. Jesus is God in the flesh. By the way, we do not worship a man who became God. We worship God who became man. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is the deity of Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 6 says this, Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And so John here is declaring the deity of Christ. Let's keep reading. Verse number two, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. John now is speaking to the uh, uh, power of our God, the creative power that he made all things. Have you ever stopped to consider how big our universe is? How vast our universe is that God created the heavens and the earth? That, that Jesus made all things, the Bible says. The Bible says in Colossians 1.16 that by him all things consist, that he holds it all together. Our earth, planet earth, is very large, 25,000 miles in circumference. How many of you would say pretty big? All right. The closest star to the earth, you may have heard of it, it's called the sun, okay? The sun is 92 million miles from earth. And the sun is 1.3 million times larger than the earth. You can fit a million of our planet Earths into the sun. That's how big the sun is. But the sun is not even close to our biggest star. There's a star that I love the name of it. It's called Betelgeuse. Have you ever heard of Betelgeuse before? The star Betelgeuse. Okay. Uh, uh, The star Betelgeuse is 1,000 times larger than the sun. There's another star, scientists have called it UI Scuti. It is double, more than double the size of Betelgeuse. And this is not even the, uh, the biggest star that we know of. Uh, what I'm trying to say today is that Jesus is an all-powerful, all-creative God, and there is nothing that is too hard for him. I love that the Bible says this in Genesis 1:16, and God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also almost as if it was an afterthought, that God is so powerful that he says, you know what, I'm going to sprinkle some stars into the sky, into the universe. Can I just remind you today that we worship and serve an all-powerful God, and so often we are focusing on the size of our problems when we should be focusing on the size of our God. Aren't you thankful today for his power, for his majesty, for his creative glory that is observed in creation. The Bible says in Romans 1:20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. That God has revealed himself to us through creation. That creation displays the wonder, the glory, the design of God. This past year, I was in South Dakota 
and uh, we were driving through, Cole was with me, we were driving through South Dakota. How many of you have ever had the privilege of going to South Dakota? And uh, several of you. And uh, there's not a whole lot to see in South Dakota. We were kind of driving along for hours and hours and just kind of looking. And every once in a while, we would say, oh, there's a fence. <laughs> you know, there's, a, there's something to look at. And, and not a whole lot to see in South Dakota. But imagine if we were driving through South Dakota and we just passed by this mountain. I think we have a picture this morning. And we were driving through South Dakota and we just saw this mountain. And we thought, wow, isn't it amazing how the wind and the rain hit the mountain at such the right angle and direction that it just carved out four presidents of the United States of America. Isn't that amazing? No. When we would drive by and see Mount Rushmore, we would see there's a sculptor, there's a designer, someone designed this. As we look at the intricate design of creation, it points to an almighty creator. It points to an almighty designer. It points to an almighty God. His name is Jesus, and John is saying he made all things. And without him was not anything made that was made. This is the God that we worship. Now, notice verse number four. I love verse number four. It says this. In him was life. Life. And the life was the light of men. John's a brilliant communicator. Notice what he does. He takes us from the expanse of the universe, all of the galaxies, in one verse, verse three. The very next verse, he brings it all the way back to the individual soul. He says, the creator God of the universe, in him is life. And it's not just average life. The Greek word there is zoe. It's abundant life. It's spiritual life. In him is life. That God that created the heavens and the earth, he wants to give you life. He wants to give you life eternal, the abundant life, the best life possible. By the way, when it comes to all of God's creation, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10, that we Human beings, we are his workmanship, that we are his masterpiece, that we are the crown of his creation, and he wants to have a relationship with us. That's why the mission statement of our church has been uh, to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus, the life-giving. It's how can it be life-giving? Because in him is life. He holds the keys to life and death. And so we have to consider our creator. Are you still with me today? But then we consider our culture. Have you considered our culture recently? There's a lot going on in the world today. And I want you to see what John says in verse number five. He says, and the light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Now, the word darkness is symbolic, and it represents the spiritual condition of the world. Have you noticed there's a lot of darkness in the world today? There's a lot of wickedness that is prevailing. I mean, think about the, uh, the murder, the hatred, the rape, the trafficking, uh, so many things that we look at in our world today, and we see it's darkness. In fact, when God was talking to Moses, talking about darkness in the book of Exodus, he says that, uh, he says that there's going to be a darkness that is so intense that it can be felt, that, that you can feel the effects of sin, that you can feel uh, the wickedness that is taking place, a darkness that can be felt. And it's even worse than that. Not only is there a darkness that can be felt, but often the culture is choosing the darkness rather than the light. How do we know that? John 3, verse number 19. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Think about that for a second. Men love darkness rather than light. That is why industries like the pornography industry and things like OnlyFans, that is why they are multi-billion dollar industries. Why? Because human beings love darkness rather than light. Drawn to darkness. We see all around us today the effects of sin, that, that, that darkness is prevailing. It can almost be very 
discouraging if you don't have the right perspective. Notice what John says here in verse number, notice what John says here in verse number nine. He says, that was the true light which lighteth every man that has come into the world, and he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world, watch it, knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. They rejected him. I read a story several years ago about the former prime minister of uh, Britain, uh, uh, Tony Blair, of the UK, and he wanted to discuss his faith in public, and he was meeting with his strategy team and his political advisors, and he wanted to know how he should introduce his faith in the political sphere, and his director of communications spoke up and famously interrupted him and said this blatantly, we don't do God. Let me stop you there. We don't do God. And I thought about that, and I thought, that's a summary of our culture today. Think about it. In our culture, you can do anything. You can do whatever you want. You can be whatever you want. You can do whatever your heart desires. Do whatever you want. But we don't do God. We don't talk about God. Because then we get very uncomfortable. Why? Because there is prevailing darkness. But notice what John says. There's good news in verse number five. Anybody interested in some good news? He says, And the light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Now, I love the Greek word. In fact, it might be my favorite Greek word to say uh, for the word comprehended. Now, I'm not a Greek expert, but you can look these things up online. I have a dictionary. You can look it up. The Greek word there for comprehended is the word katalambano, which is fun to say, right? Katalambano. Here's what it means. To apprehend or to overcome. And so what he's saying is the, the light shined in the darkness. Jesus entered the world. He was a baby born of a virgin in Bethlehem. The light entered, invaded the night. The light came and shined in darkness, and the darkness could not apprehend it, could not overcome it. And this is good news today because we can get discouraged and we can say, man, darkness is gaining ground in our world today. Darkness is prevailing everywhere that I look, but I have good news for you today. Be of good cheer. Jesus has overcome the world. The light shined in the darkness and the darkness could not overcome it. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so we recognize today that ultimately we are on the winning side. And this is the hope of Christmas today, even in a dark place that the light can uh, permeate and penetrate the darkness. Consider our creator, consider our culture. Here's the last thought today. We have to consider our calling. We have to consider our role in the story. What's our role in the narrative? Well, notice what John says here in verse number six. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, he's not talking about himself. He's not talking about the apostle John. He's talking about John the Baptist, John the baptizer. And so he's going to introduce John the baptizer. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Now, here's my question. Right in the middle of this beautiful introduction of who Jesus is, this beautiful theological introduction, foundational introduction to the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and in Him was life, and He was the light of men, and the light shined in darkness. Right in the middle of that introduction, why does John choose to introduce to us John the baptizer here in this moment? right in the middle of this introduction. In fact, if you were to take verses six through eight out of the text from verse five to nine, it would still flow perfectly. Notice it, verse five. And the light shined in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. Verse nine, 
that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. And so he, go, he, he starts talking about Jesus, then he starts talking about John, then he goes back to Jesus, the light of the world. Why would John do that? Why would he almost interrupt the flow to insert John into the narrative? I believe it's because the Holy Spirit does not want us to miss the significance of our role and our calling in the story. That yes, he is the light of the world, but we have been called to bear witness of that light. That we, ha- we are not that light. We need to recognize that today. He was not that light. There is no, there is no human being today that is the Savior. There, there, there is no one that is that light, that is that source of light. Only Jesus. We are called to bear witness of that light. This is our calling. This is our role to play. Ephesians 4.1 says this, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. This is our holy calling. You might say, man, uh, God chose John the baptizer to be the forerunner of Christ, to be the one that would say, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world, that God would use John the Baptist. Man, what a great calling. What a great privilege. How many of you say, man, what a great privilege to be the one to point other people to Jesus. John said, he must increase, I must decrease. How many of you would say, what a great calling that he had on his life to point people to Jesus. Can I tell you, we have the exact same calling today. We have the exact same privilege and purpose today to bear witness of that light. Just like the the moon does not give off its own light, but the moon simply reflects the light of the sun. We are to reflect the light of the son of God and tell all those who will listen that Jesus is the light of the world and in him there is salvation. By the way, this is what next week, the Christmas experience for our church is all about. It's not just about having a festive occasion. Listen, if there's anything that we all know about December is there's a million parties you can go to. We all know December is a busy season. It's not just to have another festive thing in the mix. No, this is an opportunity for us to practice what we believe. And if we really believe there's a heaven, we really believe that there's a hell, we really believe in the true meaning of Christmas, that Jesus Christ really was born of a virgin in Bethlehem to fulfill that prophecy all the way back in Genesis chapter number three, to go from the cradle to the cross. If we really believe that it's an opportunity for us to bear witness of the light to tell other people about the good news of the gospel so i want to encourage you today to be thinking who can i extend an invitation who can i give a ticket to the christmas experience who can i invite to sit with me at the 6 p.m who can i uh, tell about the light of the world this is our calling notice what he says in verse number 12 but as many as received him received him As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, the children of God. That if you receive the message of Jesus Christ, that he gives you the power to become the children, a son or a daughter of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That you can be welcomed into God's family if you receive him, even to them that believe on his name. How many of you would say that's an amazing gift at Christmas? but a gift is only as good as the reception of it. I have a gift with me this morning. There's something really special in this box. I'm not gonna tell you what it is. Oh, thank you so much. There we go, we need the bow. Very special gift. And if I told Daniel, man, I got you a great Christmas gift this year. It's awesome. And I believe that this gift can change your life. 
But a gift is only as good as the reception of it. And so if I say, Daniel, I got you a great gift, I think it can change your life. Merry Christmas. Grinch. Really takes the Christmas spirit right out of you. It can be the greatest gift in the world. It can have the potential to change your life only if you receive it. Jesus Christ lived the perfect life. He went to the cross to die in your place and in my place. And the Bible says in Ephesians that we are saved through faith by grace and that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. It's a gift, but we have to receive it. And so today the question is, whether you're in the room, whether you're watching online, have you received, have you accepted that gift? Now there's a lot of confusion surrounding that gift. There's a lot of confusion surrounding religion, uh, surrounding even salvation. There's a lot of baggage that comes with it. And so I love what John says right after verse number 12. He says, you can receive the gift and you can believe on his name. But then in verse number 13, he clarifies exactly what that means. He makes it crystal clear. I believe verse 13 is one of the most powerful verses about salvation in all of scripture. Notice what he says in verse 13. He says this, which were born, he's speaking of a spiritual birth. We all have a physical birth and a spiritual birth. The, the, the spiritual birth represents when you prayed and accepted Christ. He says, which were born not of blood. In other words, it's not about your family. It's not about your past. It's not about your family's religion, your family's experiences, your racial background. He says it's not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh. Uh, that carries the idea of a sincere heart. Some people think, well, man, that person is just a really, he's got a good heart and, and they really mean well. He says that is not what salvation is all about. There's many well-intended, well-meaning people that don't know the truth of the gospel. So he says, it's not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. In other words, it's not about how great we are, how, how hard we try to be a religious person, and how, how many times we come to church, and how many times we read the Bible, and how many times we open the door for someone, and how many times we say Merry Christmas and extend an invitation. Those are all good and wonderful things, but it's not the will of man that leads to salvation. It's not about how great of a person we can be. He says this at the end of verse 13, but of God. Salvation only comes through one avenue. There is only one name given among men under heaven whereby you must be saved. That is the name of Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. It's not, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. This is why Jesus came. Are you with me today? The incarnation, God becomes flesh. The incarnation leads to the crucifixion. The crucifixion leads to the resurrection. The resurrection leads to salvation for all of those that believe. This is why Jesus came. You know, this past January, there was a major snowstorm in Virginia and many people were stuck Many people were stuck in the middle of the road for hours and hours. How many of you remember? It was all over the news. Anybody remember this where people were stuck on the freeway for hours and many people up to 24 hours were stuck on the road having no food, no water. Many of them with little children running out of gas, just trying to stay warm in this snowstorm. There was a couple that was stuck in the snow. They hadn't eaten in 37 hours. Their names were Joe and Casey No. They're sitting there in the snow, stuck and they saw ahead of them several cars, a bakery truck. It was Schmidt Bakery. And so they called 
the customer service line that they just saw on the back of the truck and they said, hey, there's a lot of people out here that need food. There's a lot of people out here that are hungry. Can we have access to the truck so that we can give people food? And the guy on the other line said, well, let me check. And so uh, he hung up the phone. 15 minutes later, the owner of the bakery company called Joe No. And he said, I want you to have full access to the truck. Tell the driver uh, to open up all the doors and you can have as much as you want. For the next three hours, they were passing out food to people that were in need in the snow. Can I today remind you of our calling that we have the truth of the gospel, that we have the bread of life that must be delivered to our community. We have the news that Jesus is the bread of life, that he is the living water, that he is the light of the world. And it's our calling, our responsibility to deliver that message, to give the hope to the hurting, and to tell people that Jesus saves. This is the message of Christmas, that we would not avoid the night, but that we invade the night with the truth of the gospel. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes today.